Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening, Res Life. What is going on? Come on, you knew better than that. How are we? Hey, we're here, so we might as well have fun. You know what I'm saying? I mean, let's just have a good time. I, there are a few places in America that I have the honor to speak at that I love more than this church and your pastors. Thank you so much. Can we just give honor to Pastor Dwayne, Miss Jeannie? Thank you, guys. I'm so honored to be here. I'm so honored to be here. And we're going to dive into the Word of God, and we're going to have a good time doing this. Is anybody, this is your first time to ever hear me speak, and I won't be offended. Raise your hand. This is your first time you ever hear me. Okay, there's a few of you. Let me just say this. My name's Shannon, and I know it's a girl's name, but I am okay with it. My wife is Cindy, 26 years married, and one of my favorite things to do is make out, and I absolutely love that. I, I just want to say this because you're a mature audience. I am so glad that God created sex in the confines of marriage. Amen. I just love that. It's worship if God made it and we obey it. Amen. If you're single, I'm sorry I'm talking about this right now. Actually, Cindy and I, we have never planned to do this. We just love talking about marriage and we uh, are actually doing seven marriage events between now and May, and then we're even doing one in November on a cruise ship. So Romance Uncensored is the name of our, uh, our marriage events that really aren't events. They're just friends of ours that say, come to teach about marriage. And uh, I love doing it because of my, she's been my girlfriend for 26 years. And uh, thank you very much. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, matter of fact, she calls right now. It'll say my girlfriend and people will be weirded out by it. I have no idea why. We have four kids. We have five campuses, brandnewchurch.com. You can follow me on any social media if you're extremely bored at Shannon Odell. If you have a copy of God's Word, though, I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to dive in. We're going to have fun because I love teaching the Word of God. And if you're with me, I want you to say, yeah. yeah. I mean, I love this snowy weather. I sent a video to my wife this morning. It was just snowing like it was out of a movie. I mean, this soft, beautiful snow. And outside my hotel room are these trees that just look like a picture out of a Thomas Kincaid portrait. I sent it to her and she's so jealous. And and uh, the night before, an individual, a great guy named Mitch, took me to the mall and, and took me to eat. And he was going 100 mile an hour in snowy roads. And I was a nervous wreck. Matter of fact, I was bald before I came here today. I mean, I've grown this hair just from the testosterone lift of being a Michigander for the last couple of days. I mean, I, I, I won't try to rat on the pastor's son, but he just drove like a bat out of hell right over here in slick roads. I was like... I'm glad I'm saved, Jesus. We're on our way. And you Michiganders have got my testosterone level up, I can tell you right now. I mean, in Arkansas, we'd all be passed out eating grilled cheese and tomato soup hiding in our rooms. And you guys, I mean, the mall was packed last night. You were there. All of you were probably there. I couldn't even find a parking spot. Uh, but it is, it's been great to be here and doing ministry and so honored to be here tonight and as we're cranking up, and I know you've been talking about this, I know you've been reflecting on this the first three weeks of the year. Uh, I actually am in a series at Brand New Church called Hindsight's 2020. In other words, if you want a great comeback spiritually, you've got to look back. 
Uh, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, what, what's in the distance isn't your destiny and you don't, you got to get over your past and all that's true. But if you're going to the doctor, they're going to your past. Matter of fact, when you show up at the doctor, the first thing they do is do what? They pull out your, your records and they're looking at it and they're looking at what's transpired. Yeah. Someone said your insurance. That's true. That's a good point, which involves your past. Cause if you hadn't paid your previous premiums, you're not getting good coverage. Um, you, you look at your past, you, you, you have to look at what's transpired so you can know where to go. And, and you see that all throughout the scripture as well. And as you move forward in that, and, and I just want to throw this kind of a, a thought to you. Has there been a point in your spiritual life? As a matter of fact, this is just what I journaled in uh, late December of this past year. And God just asked me this question, and, and, and I want to ask you these questions. Was there a time in your relationship with Christ where you were wowed by God more than you are now? And you don't have to answer out loud or elbow your spouse or anything. I'm just asking these questions to, because God asked me. Was there a point in your spiritual life where you were more wowed by God than you are now? Was there a point in your spiritual life where you worshiped God more or maybe more intimately than you do now. And again, in looking at just those first two thoughts, you have to go back. And, and matter of fact, if you want what you've lost, you've got to go back to where you've left it. I don't know if anybody's ever lost their wallet before. Anybody a wallet loser in your family? This is where you can't elbow your spouse. Anybody a wallet loser, key loser? Anybody lose their keys? I, I mean, I, I, I'm so bad now. My wife got a new car that you turn off automatically and I didn't even know the car wasn't off. I mean, I've got it bad. I don't even know how to turn the car off without keys, but I'm, a, I'm a definitely a, a wallet loser. And what you have to do to find your wallet is what? You gotta, you gotta go back. My wife lost her debit card the other day and she went all the way back and then remember she left. It's the same way spiritually. You used to be or potentially were wowed at a greater level than you are now. What happened? You used to worship in a stronger fashion and these aren't guilt in any way driven questions. These are motivating us to be better. Was there a point, let me ask you another question, where you were more into God's word than you are now. Where not only did you re read the word of God, but you received the word of God. And not only did you read the word of God and receive the word of God, but you released the word of God to be active in, in your life. Was there a point that was true? And again, I'm just throwing this out there. There may be some of you that are at church now and haven't even read God's word all day other than maybe what someone's feeding you in this moment. Was there a point where you were wowed by God, worshiped God, were in the word of God? Was there a point in your spiritual life where you witnessed, where you literally shared your faith with someone, which by the way, is a goal. No, it's a call. It's a specific instruction. If you know Christ, you're to share Christ. If you believe that, say, yeah. yeah. So when is the last time that you witnessed? And I'm not talking about going Mother Teresa on it. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about point blank with somebody you love, looked them in the eye and said, if you were to die right now, do you have the certainty that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ? There was a day you used to do that. 
I mean, I remember a day so passionate about Christ. I used to use duct tape in our church, which I'm not sure the pastor appreciated it. We had pews back in the day and I would duct tape a whole row off for my friends. Because I knew they were coming. Where is the justifier turned on in our life where we're, eh, I might read, might not, I might witness, oh, I might worship, I might not. Oh, I remember being wowed by his presence. And I remember a time, maybe you remember a time where I was warring for God. I mean, I literally was in the game, 100% warring for the cause of Christ. I'm, I'm talking about taking kingdom ground. I'm talking about throat punching the enemy, taking back because we know he doesn't play fair. And there were souls and friends and territory and, and homes and people's lives that I was, could not wait to war over and pray over and believe God for. We were wild. We were witnessing. We were worshiping. We were reading the word. We were warring for the cause of Christ. Are you at that place now that you have been before? And if you're at a greater level, praise the Lord. If you want to go to a greater level, I want to throw a few things at you that I believe will assist you. I, I, let me just say it this way. I believe it's the most specific thing that will hold us back in this next year if we don't agree and address it. Because most of us here are not going to trip up over, over a pitchfork and a red cape and devil horns. It's going to be the reality of everyday life that's going to keep us from being wowed and worshiping and warring and witnessing and, and reading the word of God that's right. so that we can go to the next level. And you and I have got to do all that we can to be as effective as we possibly can. I want to read a passage you know very well. And I want to read it to you out of the King James because every once in a while I just need some King James. I mean, I just need some 13th century Elizabethan English just to slap me in the face. And, and Romans chapter 12, verse number one is, is just a basic practicum for you and I to be, to take it to the next level. And it starts out with a therefore, therefore I urge you brethren. Or I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves, your bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. And then it says this. This is true worship. To present your body. It's amazing to me how we will dismiss the physical in light of the spiritual. When God is starting off with a transformation that it starts here in our body. He says, I beseech you, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your true proper worship. And then it says, don't conform or do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The second part transformed by the renewing of your of your mind. So there's a physical transformation and a mental transformation. What am I saying? I'm saying all of us want this spiritual tinkerbell, bing, you know, kind of far away deal. And God's saying this, take care of this and take care of this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mental process. 
And then he gives this last part. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And then that's your soul or your spirit. Discerning the spirit of God's direction in your life. So it takes all three. It takes all three. And in the scripture, I believe there are many of us that see this clarity. We kind of understand it. But for whatever reason, we, we, we're not connecting to it. We're not, it's just common phrases. I, I remember it's, it's kind of like trying to explain to people who've been church so long. It's kind of like explaining to my son what Blockbuster was like. How many of y'all even remember Blockbuster? Oh yeah, that's Sunday PM. Everybody's like, oh yeah, I'm Blockbuster. How many of you remember the importance of four o'clock on a Friday afternoon? Oh, I do. I'm running in there. Don't you dare get my new release. You know what I'm saying? I'm going straight to the new release section. You know what I mean? Don't you love that? And then if you didn't bring it back Saturday by noon, it was $940,000. And before you brought it back, what did it say you had to do? Oh, it didn't just say rewind. Come on. I'm talking like 91. Be kind. Rewind. Oh, yes. I mean, is it not amazing that you literally can just hop on your mobile device and go to YouTube TV and watch anything you want? We had to wait till Friday at four. And if you're lucky, you got it back on time. I remember one time losing a movie and found it like when I cleaned my car out to sell it and took it back to be the honest man that I am. It was like four hundred dollars. Or you can just buy it for 49. I was like, I'll pay the 400 like any wise steward would. <laughs> what? Blockbuster. I was trying to explain that to my son. He was like, Dad, what? Well, what do you, I, I showed him a VHS player. And it blew him away. I mean, we don't even have a DVD player in our home. We literally, everything's streamed. We have no DVD player. I mean, even that's somewhat rare. I was trying to explain. And for many people who are Christ followers, this is just as strange. It's like, what does it mean to have my mind totally wrapped around God's thoughts? What does it mean to have my body taken care of? It means exactly what I just said. Take care of your body. How many of you know taking care of your body is not a number five combo at McDonald's every day? How many know that's not the healthiest choice? Raise your hand. I'm not against McDonald's and they just came out with spicy McNuggets. Hallelujah. I'm not against old McDonald's, but I'm saying take care of your body. Get good sleep. Take care of your mind. Don't put junk in it. I was just trying to explain this basic truth. And it was kind of like trying to tell my son why Jack fell off the headboard in the Titanic. I was like, man, I think the same thing, KJ. Why didn't she just move her little tush over and make some room for a man? I mean, I wouldn't have to let go if you just move over a little. I sit back and I think of all of the simplicities of the scripture that we try to make so complex. Worship God with your body. Take care of it. Take care of your mind. Renew your spirit so that you can know God's best. But what trips us up it's these little things in life that become big. There's a passage of scripture that recently absolutely jumped out and punched me in the face. And it's right here in 2 Samuel chapter 18. And before I read it, can I contextually put us in place? The last time I was with you in November, I, get, I talked a little bit about David. Let me just continue that thought when talking about his son Absalom. 
Absalom is such a great story in the scripture. And a lot of times we just get the flannel graph of it real quickly. But just in a nutshell, let me just tell you how amazing Absalom was. It says in 1425 to 2 Samuel that Absalom was praised, and this is the Bible, as the most handsome man in the most modern portion of the world, Israel. It says, listen to this, he was flawless from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, from head to toe. My wife has never put that in any bio of my social media. <laughs> Ever. He was sexy, if you want to put it in the original language. A matter of fact, he was so sexy that they would cut his hair and sell it by the pound in the marketplace. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I, I tried to sell mine, didn't get jack squat for it. Now, I have sold the back hair, and it, it sells well. Uh, but that's a total bad joke. But uh, I, I'm saying, I've never had anything sell like that. This guy was selling his hair. He had the most Twitter followers. He was the man. And he started believing what the people said about him, and that is this, that you ought to take your dad's spot. You're the man. All of a sudden, he started taking his physical, recognizing it. It tripped him up. Then he took the mental, which was what other people said. He listened to them instead of what God's word said. And then the next thing you know, he's taking on his dad in battle. Why? Because he, he trusted incorrectly in the physical. He trusted incorrectly in the mental. He wasn't transformed in that sense in the correct manner. And then the scripture goes on to say that he took 30,000 men, fought his dad. The battle was terrible. There's so much more that's so powerful about it. Even David desiring not to hurt his son, telling Jael not to hurt his son. But the part of the story that wrecked me is 2 Samuel 18, 8. And here's what it says. It says, during the battle... It says that the wood or the woods, 2 Samuel 18, 8, the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. That the woods devoured more people than swords. And there's tens of thousands of people here. What's God saying to you and me about this as we're marching into this next decade? Here's what God's saying. And I, and I believe he's saying it to me specifically. They had the right idea, but they were in the wrong environment. I mean, they were battle ready. They were just in the wrong environment. They were ready to war. But instead of staying in the spots where the battle should have taken place, they found themselves off in the woods. And all of us can have all the intention we want to take care of our body, to take care of our mind, to take care of our spirit, to be soldier ready. But if you and I are lost off in the woods, we're not going to be able to do all that God has called us to do. The woods took out more than the sword. 
You can pray, you can praise, you can suit up, you can be total battle ready with the helmet, the, the breastplate, the sword, the peace shoes, so on and so on. You can have all that ready. But if you're in the wrong environment, you're not going to be as successful or should I say wowed. You're not going to be worshiping. You're not going to be walking, reading the word like you would want to, even though you could be battle ready. My question to you is this, are you in the wrong environment? Let me make it even more specific. Stay out of the woods. Are you off lost in the woods? Matter of fact, would you just say that? Say stay out of the woods. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. Say stay out of the woods. There are so many that miss God's best with a transformed desire through their body, through their mind, through their spirit to do all that they can for the glory of God. But they find themselves armor ready in the wrong environment. I mean, I watch people who love Jesus. The next thing you know, they're dating Billy Jackwagon and off the trail. I see people who are desiring to do God's best. And all of a sudden they say silly, stupid phrases like I fell out in love with my spouse. You don't stay married to your spouse because you feel in love. You stay married to your spouse because it brings God glory. That's the only reason you stay married. Not because you got the heebie-jeebies, which I do, by the way. And you can tell Cindy at Cindy O'Dell. I can't help it. I'm married. I mean, she's unbelievable. I'm so blessed. I love chasing her around. I, I named our bedroom the Garden of Eden the other day and put it up in a poster. Because clothing's a sin. It's the product of sin. My wife took the poster down, but still I tried. I mean, you can have all these great intentions, but if you're off in the woods, you're going to miss out on God's best. Everybody say, stay out of the woods. Can I just tell you what's in the woods real quick? I'm going to give you a few things that are in the woods. Number one, filth is in the woods. Have you ever just hung out in the woods? How many got kids that just hang out in the woods? Yes, two people because everybody's playing Xbox now. No, get your kids in the woods. I remember going and playing in the woods, coming back. My mom would make me literally almost undress. I know when I'm really getting serious and I'm hunting, I remember pronghorn hunting one time and it was just dusty and hot and sweaty. I remember hiking in the woods. When you get in the woods, there is filth in the woods. And let me just say this, you can be all you want to be for Jesus, but if you're going to bed late, leaving your cell phone in proximity and start dialing and scrolling, you have the, the, the want to, to look at some potholes left and right. There is filth in the woods. And people are like, man, I just don't know. I got to use my phone. No, you don't get a rotary dial in Jesus name. Get a bag phone. Those are the greatest phones ever in history. Were they not? I mean, other than you'd have a deformity on the side of your head using them. I mean, they would just, they would heat up, but I could get cell service anywhere. I'm just saying, you know where the filth is. Don't get in that environment. Don't get in that environment. Guard your heart. You say, oh, these are simple things. You need to make sure you do everything you can. If, if the cell phone at night's an issue, put it on the spouse's side of the bed that doesn't have the issue. Or just get rid of the cell phone and get a flip phone in Jesus' name. Get it. I miss the old star tack. Somebody get a star tack up in this place. I love that. But there's filth in the woods and you can love Jesus all you want, but in the wrong environment, it's going to set you back. I mean, just look at David, for instance, he's on the edge and the ledge. Is he not? He's walking the edge and the ledge. He's chilling out. He knows what he's doing up there on the roof, doesn't he? 
That was the www.bath.com back in the day. And he's walking on it. And sure enough, there's Bathsheba up there. Which you've heard me say before, I think that was her rapper name. There's no way that transliterates correct. I mean, there's no way. She's in a bath and her name's Bathsheba. I'm not trying to deny it, but it's just so, it's so unique to me. He knew what he was doing up there. He was a soldier, but he was in the wrong environment. Filth is in the woods. Let me give you another one. Wrong friends are in the woods. I know so many people that love God with all their heart and they just get tuned in with the wrong people. And the next thing you know, they're G-O-N-E. I tell people this all the time. If I can see your phone, the top five people you communicate with, I will tell you your future. I mean, I already know. It doesn't take rocket science. Whoever is the loudest voices in your ear is going to direct your life. You can have all the love for Jesus you want. I'm no longer slave to fear. You can sing it. You can dance to it. You can leave your hands up as long as you want. But if you've got wrong friends that are pulling you in the wrong direction, 1 Corinthians 15, says bad company corrupts good character. Get around people that are going to get you away from the woods. I wouldn't clap to that either. Unless I'm serious about it. And you know who they are. I mean, I know people that will help justify your divorce, help justify not tithing, help justify using uh, a little bit of alcohol here and there, using a little bit of weed here and there. This addiction isn't that bad. Help you do this, that, and the other. Those are not the friends you want that are pushing you to the edge and ledge. You want people that are getting you away from it to help you make right decisions so you can be successful as possible. I, I, my son came to me the other day, my youngest son, KJ, he's like, dad, why is it wrong to cuss? He said, all my friends cuss. What's a big deal to just say this word or that word? I said, son, I can cuss all I want. I mean, it doesn't take any, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say S-H-I-T. I mean, I can say those words, but I choose not to. And it takes more of a man to determine your words than just to say any word you want. And you need to get around friends that are going to encourage you to have right language. Now you say, man, I'm a Sunday night. This is PM service. What are you, what are you doing talking to me? Here's what I know. Here's what I'm seeing in, in my 29th year of ministry. You know what I'm seeing? The people who love the Lord the most, some of these pastor friends of mine, they are dropping like flies. They're just letting little things slip in. I mean, like a cool thing for uh, many of my pastor friends to do is just sip a little drink here. There, a little alcohol. I'm not trying to say alcohol is a sin. I'm not trying to say alcohol will make you go to hell. I'm not saying it's a sin to drink a beer. I'm just saying this. Why is it that you're so boring that you got to have some type of encouragement in liquid to make you more exciting? And, I, and, and I'll watch him just slip a little bit and slip a little bit. And the next thing you know, I, I had a dear friend just lost his church, $68 million budget. I'm going to say that again in case you didn't hear. A dear friend of mine who has a church, he was leading a church in South Carolina, $68 million budget. He just took one drink because a pastor friend of him encouraged him to just, hey, it's not, it's not a sin to have a drink, but he didn't know what that was going to do to him. He lost his church. He, he was choking out his wife, not completely choking her out, but he was, he was hurting her and he lost everything, lost his ministry. Get around right people. I want pastors that are pushing me the next. I have never ate, spent time with Pastor Dwayne where he's done nothing but encouraged me to love God more and catch up. But other than that, I mean, he loved God. I never seen a man love a ketchup bottle like him. Jesus, his wife and ketchup. 
It, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. He's always spurring me on to love and good deeds. Wrong friends are found in the woods. Get around good people and inspire those that are around you that aren't. Here's another thing that's found in the woods. Unforgiveness. I just want to say this real quickly. Jesus said it. If you're bringing something to the altar and you have aught against your brother, leave it at the altar. Leave your gift there on layaway. Go make it right with your brother and then come back. You can do all you want for Jesus. You can offer all of these things. But if you have not sought forgiveness of the people closest to you, you're in the woods. Everybody say, stay out of the woods unforgiveness will keep you there. Well, it's on them. No, it isn't. It's on you. If you love Christ, make it right. I'm not saying they're going to respond right, but you make it right because it will hold you back. It'll hold you hostage. We see that in this entire story from 14 to 18 of second Samuel with Absalom and his father. And it's a tragedy. Here's another thing that will keep you in the woods. Failure is found in the woods. Failure. There's nothing wrong with failing. But I can tell you this, if, if you, you don't understand what the scripture says, you'll, you'll fail and you'll stay there. But the scripture says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up every time. In other words, if you've fallen seven times, you're more righteous than people that don't. A righteous man falls seven times, but gets up every time. And I know people that have failed and they just stay off in the woods and they continue to. And then the next thing you know, you're in the deep woods and in the deep weeds and then panic attacks spiritually, if you will, set in. I don't know if you've ever been in the woods, like literally lost in the woods. I elk hunted one time up by Mount St. Helens and got misdirected right about dark. It got weird fast. Number one, I didn't know where the schmack I was. Number two, I'm near a volcano. Weird you out fast. And I'm sitting there thinking, and all of a sudden, every noise was the loudest it's ever been. It was like, whoo, whoo, whoo. I was like, I'm going to die. I thought I was in the thriller video. I mean, I just, any minute, something bad's going to happen. I mean, it was terrible. And then all of a sudden that failure, and if you absorb that failure and keep thinking on that failure and allow your mind to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and the next thing you know, you'll be paralyzed by it. Get out of the woods. Everybody say, stay out of the woods. I want to say something else that may help you and may not help you, but I know this. There are a lot of families that are lost and found in the woods. Not just friends, but families. You need to get out of the woods. I, I say this probably every time I'm at res, I'm gonna say it again. Husbands, you are the pastor of your home. Lead it. Follow your parents, students. Guard, everybody's like, well, when I get married, it'll be different. You will not change. You'll be the same person you are now. But if you are believing God for great things for 2020, you can make the changes in your home to have the greatest. Start praying with your kids now. Start praying with your spouse now and see God do what only he can do. Why? Because you want to see change. Look at this in Malachi chapter two, Malachi chapter two. The other day I had a church member come up to me. He's like, man, I was an in and out burger and they had the Quran quoted in there. It was Nahum something. I mean, I'm just like, well, that's actually in the Bible. But I mean, just knowing some of these, these minor prophets just speaking some unbelievable stuff. Man, here's what Malachi says in verse number 13 of chapter 2. Another thing you do, speaking to a very 
affluent church. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears during the worship service and the Sunday service. You weep, you wail, because God no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. I just don't feel his presence, you could say. And he says, you ask why? Here's why. Look at this. Here's why you don't experience God's presence. It says, because the Lord is a witness between you and your wife. Your marriage is a direct reflection of the favor and blessing of God. Get your family out of the woods. Get your marriage out of the woods. You, I mean, you can be as battle ready as you want and miss out on God's best. Let me give you a couple more in an expedited fashion. Not only is failure found in the woods and families found in the woods, fears found in the woods. False evidence appearing real. And when you live in fear, it's because God has not been clued in, even though he knows everything you think, he's not clued in on the secrets you have. And because of the secrets, you live in fear and then you give the enemy power in your life, release all of those. Let me say it to you this way. Whatever you cover, God uncovers. And whatever you uncover, God covers. Just release it. Just say yes. I, I remember sharing something so personal with my wife and I knew she was just going to can me over the whole deal. She said, I love you more now in your commitment to honesty than I ever did before. I was like, why would I hang on to that for three months? Release it. Don't stay in the woods of fear. I'll tell you something else that's found in the woods if you don't get out is finality. It's over. If you don't get out of the woods. You know, the story of Absalom was so powerful and, and just so reflective. I mean, as I was just reading through that and seeing this passage of scripture, it just wrecked me because it says that he was riding through the woods again in the wrong environment fighting. And you remember what took place? It says that his gorgeous locks got caught in an oak tree limb and he was hung there. And here's what happens to you and me. The enemy knows if he gets you by the head, he's got all of you. That's why it starts out with your body and then your mind. And if he has your eyes, if he has your mind, if he has your ears, he has all of you. He's consumed you. What are you believing about what God's word really says? Has he got you? Are you hung in that tree? Are you sitting up there knowing that there is defeat? And here's the crazy part, because David told his right hand man not to kill him. Of course, he disobeyed David. And what's What's so wild about this story is that the enemy was in no hurry to take him out. Because a lot of times you think, oh man, I'm okay. I'm hanging up here. I'll be fine. I'll be this, that, or the other. And just simply before I give you my last point and, and Ken or one of his teams is going to play quietly, I, I just know this, the finality is, is oftentimes just a slow drip, drip, drip. It says that, that David's right-hand man comes 
And as he, as Jehu comes up there, it ta he takes three daggers and just pff, little daggers one at a time. Just a slow bleed out. Because the enemy's in no hurry. He had a hold of his head. Isn't it, it wild in that same understanding of the scripture? Samson was the same way. It, it was all with his head and his hair. Because it's a picture that God is showing us that we've got to guard our minds, our eyes, our ears, our mind. And not only that, church, our mouth, our witness. Here's what else is found in the woods in closing, very simply, and that is this. It's found in verse number five, and I've referred to it several times. You know what else is found in the woods when we, even though we're in the wrong environment, even though we are, have kind of lost our way, it's, it, the scripture says that, that, that a father's heart is found in the woods as well. Everybody say, stay out of the woods. I don't know where you're at, but can I tell you this? The father's heart is for you. Again, I want to say in verse number five of second Samuel chapter 18, it says, David says, deal gently with my son, Absalom. And I believe with all my heart that God is saying the same about you. He, he doesn't want to harm you once you experience healing. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to experience and you to experience his best. And just like Absalom, again, Samson, that restoration of the head, I mean, all you need is follicles and then that restoration is going to take place. But you and I have got to surrender, not just to a, an idea, we have to surrender to the practicum of those three areas. Our body, our mind and our spirit. You have to make a willing decision. You have to declare truth. You got to speak God's word. You've got to act on it. You don't need to be praying about it. You need to just go do it. You're not going to feel like having a quiet time every day. Do it anyway. You're not going to feel like taking care of yourself in, in a regular uh, fashion. It's not easy. Do it anyway. And if you're suited up and wondering, why am I missing out on God's best? Why am I not seeing his favor and his blessing? There is a great chance the reason why is because you are suited up to fight, but you were found in the wrong environment. Everybody say, stay out of the woods. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you do this for me? If you know in one of those categories that you have found yourself lost, in the dark, in the woods, and you've got to make a change. Would you just lift your hand up real quickly? I see them all over the place. You can put them right back down. I see them. I just want to encourage you just right there in your seat, radically. Would you just pray this prayer and just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I'm lost in the woods. Your heart, Father, will direct me to the playing field you've called me to. Forgive me. I'm ready to serve and walk with you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that, can I encourage you to do something? Would you just, as you continue in an attitude of prayer, would you just maybe even text somebody, text someone that's going to take you to the next level? 
and say, man, I've been lost. I found myself lost off in the woods. I'm ready to make some changes and see God. Maybe it's even a, a director here at the church or a pastor you used to serve under and you're ready to get back, get back in the game, get back on the right playing field. And lastly, if you know there's got to be a renewing in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, and you've got to make some specific changes to those areas, would you just slip your hand up with nobody looking around? You can put them down. I see them. I love it. I love honesty and transparency. I want to pray for all of you. And I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Ken. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the direction. Thank you, Lord God, that you called us to not just love you, but to live out our love for you. And I pray God people would see it in a way like never before. And for those of us that are lost off in the woods and are recognizing, get us back, Lord Jesus, in our obedience through the power of your Holy Spirit to the playing field that you've called us to. Protect us from the enemy. Renew us mentally so that we can be more effective spiritually. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you're in agreement, put your hands together and celebrate. Amen. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.